Uh, today's uh, Bible passage, scripture reading, is going to be found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 verses, uh, through 26. And I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. This is the word of God. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Eternal God, in the reading of, of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Thanks, Ed. <clears throat> we were teasing Pastor Ed this morning that uh, because he has two sprained ankles, he should um, get started early in getting up on the platform, and maybe he'll want to go around and use the ramp in the back. And uh, so I guess you did start a little bit early just in case you thought it would take some time. But uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate bungee jumping accident, actually. Um, <laughs> spraining both ankles. Actually, no, that's not what happened. But it just sounds a lot better than... Then I was running really hard on the treadmill, because that's what's happened. So we've got to dress it up a little bit, Ed. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, Terry and Lynn, thank you. Uh, great job sharing and uh, great video. I don't know where Topher is, but I'm sure he saw that, and I think uh, he might want to, uh, to use that <laughs> in other places. That was so, so well done. Well, as you no doubt know, life is full of choices, and sometimes those choices are black and white, or clear choices between something good and not so good. But sometimes the choices are more difficult, like between something good and something better. We are currently focusing our messages on the theme of making best choices. 
Every day we're making choices, right? From the trivial to the more complex, like what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to wear? What's the first thing I have to do when I get to the office? And then throughout the course of the day, um, then throughout the course of the day, we continue to make choices. But for the most part, these are relatively easy choices to make. What about the choices that we make that have far greater significance? Today, we are asking you to consider sponsoring a child through compassion. That's a choice that we make. Some of you have already made that choice. Some of you have made it more than once. And as you engage in a relationship with that child through letter writing and in some cases meeting personally with that child, you come to appreciate the impact of your choice. It's hard to believe, but 20 years ago, this coming September, I made a choice. And uh, and fortunately for me, my wife Tina also made a choice, and we were married. We agreed then that we were choosing each other to spend the rest of our lives together with. And the commitments we made then and the vows that we exchanged, the, the, the choice that we made to love each other no matter what became the underlying motivation for the daily choices that we still have to make today. And after four years into our marriage, we made another choice. We decided that, if God willing, we would be parents. We would do our part, I don't think I need to go into details there. But we trust God to do his part. And almost 16 years ago, our son Lucas was born. And then 20 months, 21 months later, our daughter Anna was born. And we launched into this new and strange, complicated, unknown world of parenting. Of course, we know Father's Day is a day to honor our dads. As uh, probably many of you know, my dad fairly regularly attends here, and he's today, I see him at the back there. So it just always adds a little extra pressure to be careful in what I say. But those of us who are dads, it's a day where our kids can honor us. But honestly, this day seems to cause me to reflect on my role as a dad, to think about the gift of children but most, most importantly to wonder, what were we thinking? I can vividly re- recall both of our children's births. Don't worry, I'm not going to... I'll spare you the details there too. But we do have stories to tell. But any parent can recall the overwhelming joy of holding their child for the very first time. (laughs) And the inexpressible fear that simultaneously grips you, right? It's like, wow, this is great. Now what? What are we going to do with this? And we bring them home so completely dependent and totally helpless They cry, and we have absolutely no idea why they're crying. They stink, and we know exactly why they stink. They smile, and our hearts just melt a little bit, and we think, you know, this is the best choice we have ever made. And then once again, our hearts are frightened because we realize that we still really have no idea what we're doing. And from changing those first diapers 
to their first soccer game, to the first day of school, to their first crush, not usually simultaneously with the first day of school, but to first days at new schools, to high school, to graduation and beyond. Lots of firsts that we as parents aren't really prepared for. Parenting, fathering, mothering for that factor, can be a crushing responsibility and a heavy burden. And we want to do it well. But in spite of all of the books and resources and seminars that are available to us, it can still feel at times that we're just wandering aimlessly in the dark. As I thought about this message on this Father's Day, I decided that I wasn't actually going to focus exclusively on fathers or give a list of ten helpful fathering practices. But rather, I was thinking, as unprepared as I felt to be a dad, and still feel, at times, completely helpless, if God was going to entrust me with that precious gift, then he must also resource me for the task at hand. In fact, thinking even broader than that, that he would provide the resources that I need for life. Life, like parenting, is hard. And maybe more truthfully, not just hard, but impossible. But thankfully, God doesn't just set it in motion, take his hands off the wheel, and leave us to our own devices. No, he, he provides the power and the encouragement and the support. And he does so in the form of a person. A person that we can have a relationship with. That person is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So the choice I'm asking you to consider this morning is simply the choice to live supernaturally. Let me explain. What does it mean, living supernaturally? See, I think without meaning to, many Christians ultimately sort of drift a little bit, and they come to a place where they start to live independently of the Holy Spirit. They simply get to a place maybe where they don't really give him a second thought. He's nothing more than a theological truth. And they go through life with their assignments. You know, love your neighbor and don't steal and don't commit adultery and so on. They go about their commitment, um, they go about their business, excuse me, committed to doing the very best that they can do. Basically, they're trying to accomplish so much in the energy of their own flesh. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the churches in Galatia, expresses this frustration with them. Galatians 3, 1 through 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? It's a good question, isn't it? Why are we now trying to become perfect by our own human efforts? Every time a man or a woman or a child comes to faith in Jesus Christ, an imperceptible, invisible work takes place. It's a mysterious, in a, in a mysterious 
invisible way, the Holy Spirit comes to work upon the heart. And from the inside out, he begins his work. And there's this spiritual renewal that takes place, regeneration that takes place, transformation, if you will, that begins to take place. And that transformation of a person's heart and their character and who they are is simply the work of the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, for many, like the Galatians, they take it upon themselves to make the changes. And it becomes an impossible task. And what happens when you set your mind and your hearts and your efforts towards an impossible task? Weariness, discouragement, despair. Nothing's ever going to change. Friends, this is not how God wants his children to live. He wants for them to have an abundant life, full of joy, full of victory, full of hope. So that sometimes we go through life as Pastor Ken a number of weeks ago reminded us, we just do the D-Daw dance. Or sometimes we go through life and we just have nothing else on our lips but la, 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 la. I hope, were you guys trying to follow all the la, la? Like, no, just forget that and just follow the worship team because you can't get every single one in there. But that's the point, right? Like sometimes it just, we just have to be able to come to that place where we recognize, you know what? God loves me. And he's doing an incredible thing in our lives. And that joy is not something that we manufacture. That joy comes from knowing that we are in relationship with God, who has given us his Holy Spirit to empower us to live the life that he's called us to live. Man, some of those pictures, and I think we've seen them over and over in many different ways, but, you know, you see a child that has absolutely nothing, and their smiles, and they're beaming with joy. Let me unpack that passage that Pastor Ed read for us just a little bit this morning. And so, just follow me on this a little bit, okay? The Bible teaches that the very instant that we believe, the Holy Spirit permanently enters into our lives. As a result, we have a source of power living within us that empowers us to live the Christian life. In John chapter 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Beginning in verse 16, I read, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And that counselor has a name, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, he says, know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So Jesus says that he's going to send the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be in you. Right? You following with me so far? That the moment that you come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. In us. There's many different references or, or word pictures to understand that. They say that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 5 of Paul's letter to the Galatians, he writes about what life by the Spirit then looks like. And so he says, in the very first verse, verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
Now, some translations use the phrase, walk by the Spirit. New Living Translation that Pastor Ed read will be guided by the Holy Spirit. And this is a really good word picture because it implies both direction and empowerment. It is the Spirit that will lead and will guide and will provide the power and strength that we need. And so that is that when we make life decisions and choices according to the Holy Spirit's guidance and acting with the spiritual power then that the Holy Spirit supplies. In other words... To walk in Scripture, and you see that that kind of imagery or that phrase used, regularly represents the pattern and conduct of one's life. And what Paul is setting up here is, here is the choice. It's very simple. You will either be spirit-led or you will be self-led. And in verse 17, Paul makes it clear that the Christian life is then a struggle And it's this battle that is going on between the flesh or self and the spirit. And so he says, don't kid yourself. It's not an easy choice to make. The sinful nature, he writes, wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit, he says, gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And he writes, he says this, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. It's clear from these verses, though, that the choice that we face is then either to gratify the sinful nature or we gratify God's Holy Spirit. And in verse 18, he continues to help us understand what this relationship with the Holy Spirit looks like. I've already said that to live by the Spirit or to walk by the Spirit means that we are then led by the Spirit. And that's exactly the phrase that Paul uses here in verse 18. To be led by the Spirit implies an active, personal involvement of the Holy Spirit in guiding Christians. And he uses the perfect tense here. In other words, it could really be translated, if you are being led. And it just indicates this ongoing activity. It's an ongoing activity that the Holy Spirit is engaged in. So the Spirit is continually involved in leading and guiding. And the choice that we have then is whether or not we will follow that leadership. When we don't follow the Spirit, he makes, he says that the results are very obvious. Verses 19 through 21 have the ugly details, and I'm not going to go into detail on them. But when we do follow the Spirit, He says the result or the fruit of the Spirit is then also equally obvious. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, instead of us trying harder, kind of trying to will ourselves to being more patient and kind. We make the choice to live by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit because ultimately it is the Spirit's work to grow this fruit in our lives. And just one more verse from Galatians 5 to look at, verse 25. It just continues to expand on this principle where he writes, since we live by the Spirit, okay, that's the choice we've now made, he makes it clear, he says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So again, you see this principle, walking or keeping in step with the Spirit. 
And the idea conveyed here is to walk in line behind a leader, to march, if you will, in step with the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides and sets the the pace. And the Greek grammar used here in this verse is from the present imperative command. And I know you're highly impressed with that. But you don't have to put up with the fact that your Greek professor is sitting in the service and, and the pressure that it puts on to make sure I got this right. Because if I don't have this right, it's highly embarrassing. You'd never know, probably, but, but he would. And he'll correct me after. But the reason that this is important to understand is this. It doesn't describe a one-time filling. It's not just sort of a one-and-done thing. It's a regular pattern of life. And so God's Spirit leads us one step at a time, moment by moment, one day at a time. But there is a choice to make. Do we follow the Spirit or do we follow self? Now, do you see, when you just stop and think about this, this is a theological truth that has practical implications for us. Do you see how valuable this can be to how we live life? Or to parenting? Or to fathering? When we don't know what to do or how to handle a particular such situation, we can call on God to help us and give us wisdom and input to saying, God, help me in this situation. I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. When we find that our kids might be testing our patience. You know, do you just hum to yourself, just be patient, just be patient, just be patient. Or do you go, God, help me to be patient. It might be a subtle thing, but in one case, we're depending on ourselves to do what we really can't do. In the other case, we're depending on the Holy Spirit to come in and just to change us from the inside out. You see, it's not about being super dad or super mom or super Christian or super anything. But it's about having an ongoing, vital relationship with the Holy Spirit and trusting Him to lead, to guide, to provide strength and understanding and to develop us, and to develop in us, excuse me, what we are powerless to do on our own. Not relying on our own wisdom, but trusting in God's wisdom. Would you agree with me that we take on too much responsibility? That's a rhetorical question. I'm not really wanting an answer, but would you think about that? Do we take on too much responsibility? That we try to do too much in our own strength? You see, allowing the Spirit to guide us is really the most important choice that we want to make if we just want to enjoy a deeply satisfying Christian life. Because then the pressure is off. The burden of responsibility has been lifted. I'm not in control anymore. I simply surrender to the leading of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul has another word that describes this relationship. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, he presents this command. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. 
Understanding what he means by this will be helpful in understanding what it means then to live supernaturally. Because the key to living supernaturally is, in fact, just being filled with the Spirit. But let me just back up for a moment and make this uh, a fairly important distinction between receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. As I've already said, all Christians receive the Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, when we cross the line of faith and put our trust in Jesus, every person then who does that receives this life-changing gift. In Acts 2, verse 38, we find Peter preaching to the crowds, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and, he promises, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, believe, and you'll receive. At the time when we give our lives to God, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And he provides power, and he teaches, and he leads, and he comforts, and he convicts us of sin. And, and every Christian receives this incredible gift. But here in verse 18, chapter 5 of Ephesians, Paul commands, Be filled with the Spirit. Just, do you see the tension here a little bit? So on one hand, you've received the Holy Spirit, but then Paul commands, be filled with the Spirit. Paul would have no need to command something that automatically happens to every Christian. So we know that then not all Christians are filled with the Spirit. Rather, being filled is a choice for each Christian. And so making the choice to live supernaturally is simply a continuing voluntary surrender to God. And it's an ongoing process. It's not just here to, you know, do it today and you're good for the rest of your life. Because when we surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit, we recommit ourselves daily to putting God first in our lives and to be the person that God wants us to be. And so let me just give you three steps to being filled. Number one, ask daily. Ask daily. Why daily? I don't know. It could be ask hourly. Ask regularly. Ask consistently. Ask often to be filled with the Spirit. We just simply have to ask. According to Jesus in Luke 11, 11 through 13, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Filling us with the Holy Spirit is a request our Heavenly Father is eager to answer. We should ask him daily, according to Jesus also in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. So we're not going to be self-led, and we're going to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. Denying ourselves means we want God more than anything else. And taking up our cross means that we accept the course that God has established for us. Every day we need to give him permission to do whatever he knows best for us and for the kingdom. And why do we have to do this daily, I think, or regularly? Because it's so easy it's just so easy to slide back into old patterns by kind of semi-consciously taking back our lives from God kind of one small piece at a time. I know I'm guilty of that. Before long, you're just, you know it. You're running on empty. 
It's a song that just came into my head, but I won't sing it. (laughs) Running on empty. And I've been in that place in my life. It's no fun. (laughs) Trust me. And you give and you have nothing left to give and and everything seems hard and you're tired. And when that happens, you just step back and you go, I've missed it. Missed it. God, would you fill me with your spirit today so that I can walk in your power, that I can walk in your strength, that I can walk in your encouragement, that I then actually have the strength and energy to do what you've given me to do. Which parent hasn't felt completely overwhelmed at times? Could it be that what we need to do is just ask God by the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in that moment? To remember Paul's encouragement just to keep in step with the Spirit. It's a daily walk. As we walk daily, we are just filled with the Spirit. And so each day we ask God to fill us and to lead us. Secondly, Repent from sin. Because if we desire the Holy Spirit to fill us, then we must remember he's called the Holy Spirit for a reason. We can't be filled with the Holy Spirit without a deep-seated desire to be holy. Now, holiness doesn't mean that we're sinless, but, but we pursue righteousness with passion. And being filled with the Holy Spirit requires a heartfelt commitment to move away from sin and passionately pursue righteousness. Righteousness. If one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict people of sin, how can we then be filled if we want to maintain sin simultaneously? And thirdly, it follows from all of this that we then just follow the Spirit. Because when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, we don't resist what God wants to do in our lives. To put it simply, we don't hold back from whatever God leads us through, from wherever God leads us through His Spirit. And what does this mean? It means we don't fight against what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in our lives. It means that we don't look at the bottom line before we obey, that we don't search for reasons to say no. Rather, when God speaks to us, we look for reasons to say yes. Following the Spirit means just that following and not fighting. Have you ever driven on the road and you see somebody stranded and there's just that whisper of, you need to stop and help? Do we follow the Spirit's leading? Do we pull over? Do we ask if they need some help? Whatever it is, daily there's opportunities, right? Maybe this morning already, as you've seen the video or whatever, there was just a whisper, you should sponsor a child. And so easy to just kind of put it in the background and say, no, I don't, I don't need to do that. I can't afford that. It just seems too much. And it just keeps coming back. You should sponsor a child. And will we fight against what the Holy Spirit is saying and whispering into our lives? Or will we follow him? A story is told of a man who bought a new chainsaw from a local hardware dealer. He took it home and cut a cord of wood with it. Now, the dealer just happened to be in the area just as the man was finishing up, and he stopped to chat. So, how, how do you like the new saw, the dealer asked. He says, well, it's all right, I guess. Mopping the sweat off his brow. 
But to tell you the truth, it really ain't much of an improvement over my old saw. The dealer frowned and said, really? That doesn't seem right. I mean, this is the latest model. Let me see that thing. And so he picked it up and pulled on the starter cord, and the saw roared to life. The new owner was visibly startled. What's that noise, he yelled. You'll get that in a second. But here's the point. That's what it's like when we try to live life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. We work hard. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into our activities. We might even see some results. But we're doing it solely on our own power, wearing ourselves out without the Holy Spirit empowering us. So here's the point. Don't try harder to be a good dad or a good mom or a good Christian or a good son or a good daughter. Don't try harder. Depend more and live supernaturally. Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that you take a nugget, something that was said this morning, and that you enable it with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you press that deep into our hearts. Maybe there are some this morning here who have been running on empty. And if they stop and evaluate, they think, you know, I did start this Christian life by obeying and asking Jesus to come into my life to make a difference, to trust, put my trust in him. It was just a free act of your grace in our lives. And you gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then we, like we learned about the Galatians this morning, often will just put our own human effort and try to make the changes that only you can make in our lives. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be people who live in total surrender and dependence upon you and that we walk each day in step with your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.